Brother Andrew uh, used some illustration for making a habit of physical exercise. It is our companion that will lead us to the moment to put our shoes on, which is the hardest part of the exercise. And it is our companions who sustain us to continue the exercise until it becomes our habit and finally it becomes our living. And also at the meeting, my understanding of enjoyment in our Christian living has been changed. The enjoyment in our Christian living is not something like sitting on a sofa and eating chocolates. Our enjoyment in our Christian living is our uh, exercising, our practicing, and our sweating to build up our living in preaching the gospel, in praying, and in all other items in the the, the organic practices. So we have the wonderful list of 12 items for organic practices. It is in our hands in our 20s, 30s, or early 40s. So it is a great blessing and we cannot take it for granted. Let's just dive in and get into all these items by joining our companions. Praise the Lord. Please come to the mic and share your experiences since last week about the brothers sharing and other experience we've enjoyed and touched. Just ministering Christ to, uh, we, we talked to uh, a person named Matthew who was raised in a Christian home but wasn't a believer. And uh, we spent about 10, 15 minutes just, di- just dispensing Christ to him. And then later we talked to another brother. Uh, he was a Christian and I was able to read with him a footnote. And uh, anyway, I was just so encouraged after that time that this should be part of our living. And uh, even that... Uh, our companions are what are needed to strengthen our gospel preaching. It's not something that we need to look at in an individual way, but we really need each other. We need these uh, vital prayer groups in order to strengthen one another to live such a life. So anyway, I just enjoyed this little taste, and my prayer is that this would be gained day by day in my living. Amen. What I really appreciate is that, you know, I'm in the training, so then now it's kind of like our break. So me and Laura, we are both housemates. So, you know, the break all the time, like, well, maybe, you know, we kind of need to, you know, like have a time that we should just, you know, stop our doing and just like relax until the next term, you know. But then what I really appreciate is that we both had the same burden, even like, you know, the winter training didn't even finish. And then we were like, well, what about if we'll have a time just, you know, to go out and just preach the gospel, you know. So I just appreciate this because, you know, the Lord really honored our heart. Mm-hmm. And then even like when we were going outside to preach the gospel, we went in Majeska Park. And then, you know, none of us really know Spanish like that well as to preach the gospel. So my prayer was all the time, Lord Jesus, please, not somebody that doesn't know English because I, don't, I just don't know what to do with that. And then the Lord always, you know, gave us somebody that speaks only Spanish. And so we are like barely speak for like four sentences and then the people are getting saved. So I was so impressed that whenever we pray before we are going out, this is our power to preach the gospel. And this means to take Christ as our life. Right. Amen. I also appreciated um, our need to pray and just the matter of having companions because, 
this is not something we do on our own um, as an individual, but it's in the body Amen. and for the body. And I just um, just been enjoying so much that mm-hmm. the gospel has to become right. part of our living. Um, in the training, we have to preach the gospel, right. but I don't know. I'm just so burdened that it wouldn't just be something we do in the training, but Amen. it would be something we do in our daily life. Amen. Um, so... Amen. I just appreciate the Lord honors our heart, our willingness, Amen. and right. and um, our prayers in the Amen. body. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, got help with Brother Andrew speaking last week regarding uh, getting the companion. Well, we have been uh, hearing this one so many times, and my attitude before is just, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just uh, try to find time to call somebody. Uh, to pray uh, once once per week or once in a while. Actually, Brother Andrew has uh, been speaking very strong that we need to be able to point out who is our companion. If we think we can survive without companion, uh, we, we don't see the, the burden, how, how important this burden. I can just testify that uh, it's very true that we need companion. Without companion, we cannot live a vital living. Yeah, uh, just uh, this week regarding the burden of keeping track once per day, uh, I'm I just surprised that I can still do it. <laughs> Usually it's just die off the two, three days. That's uh, my experience. But I think because uh, I have time with a companion, there's something that sustains me that uh, I can uh, live li- uh, this fight alive. So may we all have this uh, uh, same burden that we need to have the companion to go on. <clears throat> appreciated the verse in the morning revival this morning, 2 Corinthians 2.11, that we might not be taken advantage of by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. And just related to uh, the brothers speaking, since this is a time where we're supposed to share our experience, I have felt like I couldn't say much um, because about the time the brothers started speaking was the time when my son was born. And it was kind of a struggle for me to make it to all those times. Um, but praise the Lord, I um, have been trying to go through the outlines and messages, pray over these points with the sisters, and establish regular prayer times with the moms that um, despite any limitations, we would still be those who endeavor along with the church to get into these points. And um, I was also so thankful. Thank you, brother, for continuing to speak to us, for continuing these times, continuing these meetings, because I have to say there's been much shining, causing me to really go to the Lord, causing me to to consecrate again daily, consecrate everything to the Lord. My husband and I, um, we, we just realized we need to set a time where we would pray regularly, not just about, you know, incidental. Um, things as a couple, but pray for what's on God's heart. Pray for his move. Pray that the young adults would enter into this and that we would see this. Lord, uh, may may have mercy on us. And, you know, I was considering, too, um, the analogy of a teacher when wanting to prepare students for some kind of an assessment, like a midterm or a final, will need to prepare a study guide so that they can enter into that and get all the points so that they're prepared. 
doing and this is our however it's not just to enter into knowledge it's to enter into life to be vital functioning living members of the body of Christ to meet his need and just like a study guide in and of itself isn't adequate the students have to they themselves choose to get into it right it's not up to the teacher it's up to the students so anyway that's the analogy that the Lord impressed me with but um, in our experience I just was touched it's not enough to just have this paper and pray over these points um, I just realized I need a scheduled living a daily time to get into the word to get into the ministry so saints I'm not there but oh Lord thank you for the light and I just pray for the Lord's continued mercy to have these these daily times my prayer is Lord don't let this go I consecrate myself to you again my family every matter Lord fully yours gain this in us Praise the Lord. Uh, I'd like to testify that uh, since after uh, the last sharing, last Wednesday, uh, I made a uh, resolution before the Lord. Uh, I want to enter into these 12 points as much as possible. And uh, the first thing I want to enter uh, besides consecration is to find a companion. Uh, in the past, I always felt quite difficult uh, to find a companion, maybe because my dispositions. <laughs> but I felt, you know, actually just the ones who are around me. Anyway, I found one brother, and uh, we started to pray uh, already three times together. And each time I received great strengthening. And, you know, it was just so wonderful. And uh, yesterday I asked him, uh, how old are you, brother? And he told me, wow, he was 14 years younger than me. <laughs> but it works. Praise the Lord. Because we have seen one spirit. And when we pray together, we can get out of self and enter into the spirit of the body. We can touch the reality of the body. We can touch the resurrection life. Since uh, I getting the benefit from such practice and fellowship. Praise the Lord. May the Lord give each one of us a better companion. Amen. Amen. Amen, saints. Um, I really want to share on this point uh, number 10, which is to visiting other saints twice each month. Um, what, what, what happened after we started, uh, started this uh, gathering with the young adults was that uh, we started to divide up to... Uh, we got a certain uh, number of uh, uh, saints that we would go and visit. But um, after a while, um, we, we started to visit uh, uh, one, uh, one couple uh, regularly every second week. And uh, uh, me and my companion, uh, Ryan, we would uh, uh, pray, pray for this uh, uh, before we would go and visit. And what, what I would like to, to really emphasize is that um, we, in a way, we go to shepherd, but 
but what happens is that at least I feel like I am, I am the one that really gets the shepherding. I feel that uh, I am so, I'm so refreshed every time that I, I go from, from that home. Uh, I feel that there is, there is something, something in the Lord's heart. We're touching the Lord's heart when we are doing this. And, and I feel like the, the Lord really has a burden that we as the young adults, we would pick up on this burden, that we would pick up on, on certain ones that we would go and actually it would be a mutual shepherding. And I think this is really a way, one of the, the ways that the Lord can really do something marvelous in the church in Anaheim. Uh, the evening before I left to fly to Moscow two weeks ago, I had fellowship with Brother Benson and he brought up the possibility of my being here with you tonight and sharing something. And I had a, <clears throat> a very good sense about that. But then I had to get up extremely early and get a 6.45 flight to Atlanta and then eventually go to Moscow. Whether it was jet lag <clears throat> or a particular operation of the Spirit, I don't know. But every morning while I was there in the Moscow area, I could not sleep past 4 a.m. And I was wide awake and very happy to have most of the time between 4.30 and 10 to be in the Word, to be with the Lord, to be in the ministry. And it was during one of those mornings that the particular burden came for tonight's fellowship. And I had no thought what you were emphasizing, practicing, covering, what the brothers were speaking about. I simply had to follow the anointing within. And you'll see it's very specific. It's very personal and very experiential. But before I tell you what it is, and it's something quite familiar, at least the general subject is quite familiar. Let me emphasize this. God's economy, that is His plan to dispense Himself into us, is a matter of the Lord imparting Himself into our spirit and spreading from our spirit throughout our heart and then being lived out from within us in our daily living. So it's inward through our being and then outward in our living. And when that living is corporate, it's building. This is the way it is. If you read Ezekiel chapter 36, 
That chapter toward the end speaks of the Lord recovering waste cities, whole cities being recovered. But, before the Lord undertakes that kind of practical recovery, He says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Indicating that nothing merely outward can carry out God's economy. It must be by the way of the Lord dispensing Himself into us, into our spirit. For this we need to be poor in spirit, open to receive the up-to-date dispensing. Then He makes His home in our heart. He saturates our heart. He permeates our heart. Then from there, there's the expression. The heart is in Ephesians 3. The expression in the living and in the church is in Ephesians 4. More specifically, God's economy is carried out by the triune God as a man in the Lord Jesus sowing Himself through the Word as seed into us. And we know from the parable of the soils that that may not necessarily be a simple matter. And actually, it's only in a minority of cases that the Lord is able to get what He wants. Which indicates that from God's point of view and from Satan's point of view, the essential battle, no matter what our age group is, is inward. It's a battle for our being. Please don't construe anything I'm saying now or anything I will say as any kind of adjustment to anything that you have been presented or practicing. There's no such thing. But God is absolutely not impressed with outward activities that have no heart behind them. He said, your heart is far from me. You worship me. Your heart is far from me. What God wants is an expression of Himself out from our spirit, through our heart, in our living and in our corporate church life. So, what is the specific topic? It's not a general message on the sower sowing the seed which is the word and oh we know about the different kinds of soil there is the pathway that's hardened that's the heart hardened by the worldly traffic then we know about the stony ground ho hum we're familiar with this the there's no root So immediately it springs up and then immediately there's an offense. 
Then there's the thorny ground. Then there's the good soil. And a message, I guess that's what this is, a message tonight is on having a heart without thorns. And what I'm going to do, and this is hardly that inspiring, we're going to do a study as if we're in a cardiologist's examining room and I don't know the medical technology at all, but the doctor would do a thorough exam of our heart. He's really studying it so that he might ascertain what is our situation so that he can take care of us. That's the thought. And in my very early morning spontaneous wake-up time in my room in Ramanskaya. One morning, I spent some hours uh, studying the verses. And I'm not, I'm not going to read all of this, but as a way of saving time, I have all the verses printed here and some of the notations are here. And I believe, I can't prove this because this is faith, I believe that while we're studying this, the Word Spirit will operate in many of us. You see, listen to these verses from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And let me read them very carefully, slowly, deliberately, so we can pick up the nuances, the differences. Okay, here's Matthew 13. Verse 7. Others fell on the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them. This indicates thorns grow. We should not have the thought, especially as we were aging, and believe it or not, you're going to do that, you know. Uh that the only thing growing is the divine life. The Word says, the thorns grew up. The Word was sown, but something of the fallen natural being reacted to that. And it incited the growth of the thorns, and this verb will come across a number of times, and choked them. There's an inward choking. Then in verse 22 of the same chapter, we have the Lord's explanation. The one sown in the thorns, this is he who hears the word. Notice the first thing the Lord mentions. And the anxiety of this age and the deceitfulness of riches utterly choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. This is quite a serious condition. The Word comes in. We receive the Word. Then something is stirring up. 
The anxiety of the age, a particular kind of anxiety that is a characteristic of the age in which we live. Now, the whole world is anxiety over the economy. It's not only the U.S. automakers want to bail out. The Japanese companies are underwritten by the state. Same in Korea. The anxiety of the age. The deceitfulness of riches utterly choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Now Mark chapter 4. Verse 7, other seed fell into the thorns and the thorns came up and utterly choked it and it yielded no fruit. Verses 18 and 19, others are the ones being sown into the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word and the anxieties of the age and the deceitfulness of riches. And the lusts for other things enter in and utterly choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. Now I pause here. I haven't been in the Lord's recovery that long. But it has been more than 42 years. I've seen a lot of young people burning in their youth even burning in the early phase of their married life and family life. But by the time they're middle-aged, they're choked, utterly choked. They're still in the church. They may still be in the service, attend the trainings, have some kind of routine with Holy Word for Morning Revival, But no fruit, no abundant display after decades of the divine life that they have received. Rather, something inward is utterly choking them. Now Luke chapter 8, first verse 7 and then verse 14. Other seed fell in the midst of the thorns. And listen to the emphasis here. And the thorns grew with it and choked it off. Here the word is growing. But there's a simultaneous growth. The thorns are growing along with the word. And then at a certain point, They strangle it. They choke it off. Then the Lord says in verse 14, that which fell into the thorns, these are those who heard and going away are utterly choked by anxieties and riches. Here the Lord doesn't say the deceitfulness of riches. He says riches and the pleasures of this life and do not bring any fruit to maturity. Matthew, Mark, and Luke from various points of view 
giving us the Lord's direct speaking about the effect of the thorns in the heart. Now, at the very end, I'll show you how the Lord deals with thorns. The Lord has one particular way to deal with thorns. Then the more He deals with thorns, the more free the heart becomes for the Lord to grow in us without hindrance. Luke points out that they do not bring any fruit to maturity. It uh, may not be a bad exercise for some of us that are about to bid farewell to middle age. It's in sight. Okay? I got a word from a gerontologist in Ireland when one is officially elderly. So, I know the number. I'm not frightened by it. I just know the number. I like to just scan over the church population that I know and ask myself, how many really mature saints are there? I don't mean just old. And I don't mean human maturity that should come with human experiences. How many are filled to overflowing with the divine life and are a living and walking fruitful expression of Christ as life? We have to say, not many. And I'm not biased, but I have to say, among a hundred sisters, if you can find two to five, that would be amazing. And so, this burden came to me when I was with the Lord in the Word, in His presence, loving Him, enjoying Him, being shepherded by Him. I have no intent and I have no thought of balancing anything. I believe your conscience will witness to the purity of this. My burden generally in the ministry of life, concerns the increase of Christ in our inner being. The spreading of Christ in us. The growing of Christ in us. So that there is an outflow corporately which the Bible calls the fullness of God. The corporate expression of Christ. That's the building. That's the body. That's the bride. That's the kingdom and that will be the new Jerusalem. Now, based on these verses, let's go thorn by thorn. Let's look at the category of thorns. Anxiety. So, I continued my study. And I read in Matthew 6.25, the Lord says, Do not be anxious for your life. And the Greek word for life is suke. And that refers to the soul life where the desire and the appetite is. And we'll see. Many are choked by the desire to be rich. The intention to be rich. 
Some may be actually rich. They're not choked. But there is something in the soul life that is the root of the desire and the appetite. And the Lord goes on to say, all these things the Gentiles are anxiously seeking. How will we pay the rent? How will I afford to fill the gas? What will OPEC do to raise the price of crude oil again? Uh, Will it be $5 by next summer? What kind of feeling did you have six months ago when you paid $80, $90 to fill your Toyota? Didn't you have some feeling? When to the end of last year it was coming down, even in California, below $2, didn't you have some relief? All the Gentiles are anxiously seeking. Now, this is not a political statement. This is a spiritual observation. The country is waiting for the Messiah. January 20th. The Messiah will come. He's Abraham Lincoln. He's FDR. He's the Anointed One. He's going to solve all the problems. There already is almost a cult of worshiping. This this shows the state of this nation's soul. Expecting something other than God to meet the basic need and to solve the fundamental anxiety. Then Brother Lee points out, in a note I think, he said, according to the context in Matthew 6, being anxious is versus seeking the kingdom of God first. That simple verse. I might have touched upon it the other time I was with you. This is the Lord's Word. Everyone's anxious. All the nations are anxious. They're worried about the stock market. Now their mortgage exceeds the value of their home. They don't know what to do. And he comes along and says, you seek first the kingdom of God. Your Father knows what you need. But many of us will have to admit the thorns produce a state of tremendous anxiety. And the Lord analyzes this. He says, do not be anxious for tomorrow. The kingdom people live day by day. Then Paul obviously learned of the Lord Jesus. So in Philippians 4, 6, he says, in nothing be anxious. Benson served shoulder to shoulder with Brother Lee. I served with him in a certain way. I like to testify of him. I never sense anxiety in him. Even when we saw him at the very end, no anxiety. Paul could say, in nothing be anxious, rather make everything known to God by prayer and petition. There's a wonderful series of messages on the life study of Philippians, a life full of forbearance, but without anxiety. But how many of us in this room can say, I have no anxiety. 
I do not live a life of anxiety. Rather, I have peace in my whole being. I am undisturbed by the stock market. I am untroubled by the price of gasoline. As soon as there is a ripple of worry, I just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm starting to feel worried about this. I take you, Lord, as my supply. I know this isn't a a thrilling subject, but I don't want to be here with you 20 years from now if the Lord would preserve me and see thorns everywhere. You're still here. Now you've got kids. Are they getting in the best preschool to get in the best private school to get in the best East Coast college to get in the best medical school? On and on it goes. Then one other passage about anxiety is 1 Peter 5.7. Peter says, Casting all your anxiety on Him because it matters to Him concerning you. And this Greek word implies heaving up the whole thing once for all. There needs to be a time between you and the Lord when He's shepherding you on this. You can't do it deliberately because you want to live out the message. He's shepherding you and He's touching you about everything you're afraid of, everything you're worried about, everything you're anxious about. And then you have a time you realize it matters to Him concerning me my health, my finances, whether or not I'll be married, whether or not I'll have children. Everything matters to Him. So Lord, now, once and for all, I heave up the totality of my anxiety on You. You bear it. You bear it. My responsibility is to love You, to enjoy You, to be vital, to, be, to, to bear fruit, to function organically in the church. This is a heart without the thorns of anxiety. Then, category number two, the riches, the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, I'm going to ask a general question. Don't be afraid. Don't answer outwardly. How many, and, and, and you're young overall, young adults, how many in this room have no debt? Have no credit cards maxed out? Who clear all accounts every month? Who are not overextended in anything? Wouldn't it be wonderful? If all of us were in a situation that we're satisfied with what the Lord supplies us, we don't overreach, we don't overspend, we don't get in debt. Why? We live in a debt culture. If the housing problem and the failures 
spread to the credit system, we're really in for a panic. Well, I'm not a credit counselor. I'm not going to probe into your personal finances. But this matter of riches, the deceitfulness of riches, of not being content with what the Lord gives us, with not living between our means, wanting more. Not long before the Lord brought me into the Lord's recovery, I met a young lady I think someone was trying to match us, but it was mutually repulsive. Uh, Repelling rather than repulsive. And the thing that repelled me was her frank word. She said, I'm going to be married to a very rich man. And then I was relieved to hear that. I I said to myself, well, it won't be me. Okay, this is the intention, the aspiration, motivated by insecurity and the love of money. There was a brother who advised me within weeks of my coming into the Lord's recovery. Sorry he didn't remain, but he really helped me then. And he said, Why don't you ask the Lord to show you what you think about? You may think you know. And so I was simple, believe it or not. I said, Lord, show me what I think about. And right away, he used one word, money. How much money is in your thoughts, just below the level of consciousness? And that was the beginning of a very long, thorough, drastic, inward and practical dealing with money. Not to love it, not to trust it, not to desire it, not to want it, but to be practical with it and especially to offer it. Now listen to some of these verses. They speak for themselves. Matthew 19.23 Only with difficulty will a rich man enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 24 It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Mark 10.23 How difficult it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. 24. How difficult it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Then we go to First and Second Timothy. One of the requirements for an elder is not fond of money. I was in a certain situation And I was informed that there was an envelope for me and someone had presented a gift anonymously. So I went to pick it up and this was a serving sister. You know what she said? She said, it's probably got some of that green stuff. 
I was saddened by that. Green stuff. You think that this is what this is about? The Lord covers me to say, do you want to know what my first thought is whenever I receive anything? It's to give. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I can give more. Thank you, Lord. Not that I get more. I don't want more. I don't need more. I don't trust in more. I like to bear this testimony. I can't be bought. We were in one country in 1995 where a very rich descending person was trying to buy co-workers. That was a poor country and some of them were falling for it. And we made a declaration. We're not for sale. My being is not for sale. My heart is not for sale. My heart is for the Lord. It's not for the thorns of riches. I don't trust in them. I don't love them. But we're practical. We need a certain supply. Then the Lord says, and Paul says this in 1 Timothy, I think it's 6 9. I forgot to put the chapter in. It's something 9. But those who intend to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into destruction and ruin. Intend. Just the intention. And here are some of Brother Lee's comments with a strong desire to be rich. Just the desire. You grew up poor. I can't say I grew up in poverty, but I went to Blue Collar U in Detroit. I went to Wayne State University, a place you never heard of, where the factory workers' sons go. They couldn't be the elite to go to the University of Michigan. I took a bus to went to Blue Collar U. Some of you grew up in more severe circumstances than that. And it shaped you. And the enemy might have put something into you even at an early age. I'll I'll never live this way again. I'm going to be well off. Just that intention, I assure you, will wreck your inner being. Just that intention. It says, And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into destruction and ruin. We've seen brothers come and go who betrayed their recovery for money. Who accused the minister of the age falsely because of money. If we were in a country like North Korea, we would be facing a different kind of challenge as believers. But we live in the affluent West. And the enemy's stratagem is to neutralize us one by one with the thorns. You get Miss Anxiety marrying Mr. Wannabe Rich. And the thorns will grow up along with the seed and eventually choke them off. 
If you're not choked at 28, you'll be choked at 38. If you're not choked at 38, you'll be choked at 48. Then there's, it doesn't matter what there is outwardly. The heart has been usurped. Brother Lee goes on to say, this is the love, not the possession of riches. Some are actually rich. Some desire to be rich. This evil desire ruins and destroys them. The love of money is the root of all evils, because of which some, aspiring after money, have been led away from the faith and pierced themselves through with many pains. These are believers. This is not a theory to us. The die is being cast now. The the mold is being solidified now. What kind of inner being are you going to have 10 or 20 years from now? What kind of messages will be sent to your growing children? I've seen too many cases of mixed messages coming from the parents. Be for Christ in the church. Don't go to the full-time training. Be for Christ in the church. Don't marry a full-timer. Be for Christ in the church. Don't serve full-time. Don't move out of Southern California. Don't, don't move to North Dakota. Don't go to Romania. Don't go to India. Can't you have the church life in a nice Southern California environment? These kind of persons will never turn the age and will never bring in the kingdom of God and will never build up the body of Christ and will never prepare the bride of Christ. Just the intention. Rather, they pierce themselves through with many pains. One of the characteristics of the end of the age in 2 Timothy 3.2 is men will be lovers of money. If you think, if you have the thought that you do not love money, you don't know your heart. You have never been enlightened to the depths of your being. If you don't trust money, if you don't aspire after money, you don't know how damaged our inner being is. We shouldn't be naive. We need to let the divine cardiologist thoroughly diagnose us. I'll tell you at the end, He's got a way to deal with every thorn. That's why I'm not discouraged. Then Paul goes on in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Charge those who are rich in the present age not to be high-minded, not to set their hope on, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who affords us all things richly for our enjoyment. To do good, to be rich in good works, to be ready to distribute, to be ones willing to share. Here Paul speaks of the uncertainty of riches, the deceitfulness of riches. But there there are saints, this is the way they live in the Lord's recovery. I'm being very direct. They're on the ground, but they live a denominational Christianity kind of church life within the precincts of the Lord's recovery. The heart is not single. The heart is not absolute. The heart is not pure. 
We've got one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and the problem is inward. This kind of heart cannot afford the ground for the Lord to grow unto maturity, to bear fruit unto maturity, to give the Lord a way to fill our whole being that the body of Christ can be built up. Now we go on to what is mentioned in Luke 8.14 called the pleasures of this life. And there the word for life is not suke. It's bios. Just plain physical pleasures to excess. Doesn't mean you should eat food you can't stand to, to prove that you're not a pleasure seeker. That, that's hardly human. That, that's not normal. But the sheer enjoyment of physical things, wanting an abundance of physical possessions. When my car was totaled from behind, I was innocent. Totaled from behind there on um, the Palma. And I had to consider, I need wheels. I need a vehicle. But the Lord had me wait three months before deciding this. And I remember fellowshipping with Brother Jim Miller. I was with him in San Francisco. I said, can you advise me what would be a suitable car? And he asked me this practical question. How much do you drive? And I said, about 5,000 miles a year. That's nothing. The miles are in the air, not on the ground. (laughs) And I realized, okay, I'll just be Orange County sophisticated. I can get a pre-owned vehicle. I can get a used car. And so now I'm driving a 1998 Nissan. Four or five thousand miles a year. I don't need a new car. I don't need a nice car. Even the Lord, it was given to me Without in any way soliciting. I don't solicit gifts. And the Lord gave me a car that has a color that I don't like. I know you like it. Probably you want to know what color it is. So I don't want you to lose sleep. It's white. I don't like white cars. So now I got a white 11 year old Nissan. And it's transportation. Reliable transportation. I don't have to have a Lexus. I don't have to go to Fletcher Jones Motor Cars and get one of those. I don't have to lease it. I don't have to have this. I don't have to have that. I don't have to own a house. I don't own a house. I rent a house. I don't particularly like it, but I'm content. Okay? I don't live for the pleasure of the material things for the bios. But those are thorns. And regarding this, oh, we have these verses. 2 Timothy 3, 4. Lovers of pleasure rather 
than lovers of God. Titus 3.3 We also were once foolish, serving as slaves various lusts and pleasures. James 4.1 and 3 Where do wars and fightings among you come from? Are they not from this? From your pleasures that war in your members? You ask and do not receive because you ask evilly that you may spend it on your pleasures. Well, these are the thorns. Because of the fall, they're in every fallen human being. And I don't know the dynamics of this, but we have an enemy who does not want our heart to be available to the Lord Jesus as the Spirit. He doesn't want Christ to increase in us. He doesn't want the triune God to fill us to overflowing. And He rarely will attack directly with explicit demonic assault. Not in our culture. He will just incite the thorns to grow up along with the Word. Word is growing thorns are growing, then at a certain point, the word is choked. And then from God's point of view, it's all over. You won't be a God-man. You will be a nice, ethical, moral, biblical, even spiritual person in the church. But not a God-man who lives out the triune God from His Spirit through His Christ-saturated heart. And when there isn't that kind of person, there isn't the body of Christ. So along with all the vital practices, which I 100% affirm and encourage, there has to be another kind of exercise, especially in our hidden life with the Lord. So I tell you, I learned this from Brother Lee. My first exercise every morning is to turn my heart to the Lord. To tell the Lord, I turn my heart to you. Lord, I open my heart to you. I draw near to you with my turned and opened heart. Lord, I love you. With such a heart, I love you and I believe in you. Strengthen me with power into my inner man so that you may make your home in my heart. Now, the way the Lord deals with the thorns. But what do you think is the way subjectively? There is a hint In Hebrews 6, the thorns are burned. They're burned. The rocks are broken and dug out. If you know what it is for the Lord to dig out the rocks, you will be able to testify at least a little bit of how the Word is like a hammer. This is Jeremiah 23 that breaks the rock into pieces. 
And then the Lord extracts the rock, whether it's ambition or something there, an unforgiven offense, and you sense the relief in your being. But it's not that way with the thorns. The Lord doesn't come with the word as a knife to cut the thorns because then they'll grow again. According to Hebrews 6, the thorny ground is burned. Well, you may be wondering, how do we experience this? The Lord said through Jeremiah, He said, Is not my word like a fire? It's like a fire. And the Lord even more specifically said to Jeremiah, I will make my words in your mouth fire. The word has many functions. It waters. It refreshes. It's milk. It's meat. It's light. But it's also a fire. But it's a pleasant fire. That mentioned in Luke 24 when those two disciples, they said, did not our heart burn within us? Can you relate to what I'm saying? To have a burning Heart. It was in the hymn we sang once. We didn't dwell on it, which is okay. A heart on fire with love. Is there a fire in your being? Sevenfold, intensified, burning fire. A fire of jealousy. A fire of love. A fire of absoluteness in your inner being. The word you take in eventually becomes a fire in you. And even God Himself, we're told in Hebrews, what, uh, 12.29, is a consuming fire. We have another hymn. Burn, burn, O love, within my heart. Burn fiercely night and day till all the dross of earthly loves is burned And burned away. Fiercely. Do you know what that is? To be alone with the Lord. And you sense your being. Inwardly. There's an intense fire there. A fierce fire. A jealous fire. That won't allow anything of a hindrance remain in your heart. The rocks are dug out. The thorns are there. But the fire is burning. Burning the anxiety. Burning the love of money. Burning the worries. Burning the fears. Burning the desires for so many other things. Burning the pleasures of the bios. And and as the burning goes on, this is a principle. It's followed by the watering. The fire becomes the water and then the river flows in your being where it's never been before. It waters your whole soul. I I hope, even I pray as I'm sharing this with you, that in the near future, you'll all touch this. And my, I don't know if it was the dear Korean saints who wrote this song, The Fire of the Lord's Recovery is Burning in My Heart. 
Do you think we're going to be faithful in all the vital practices without a fire in us? Do you think it will last with the American culture with an attention span of 15 minutes? An instant this and that? A culture that can do anything costly, anything long-lasting. It has to be now. It has to be quick. We need a powerful motivator. We need to touch the love of God and the Word of God and God Himself as a consuming fire. And there's an aspect, of there's a divine jealousy. Even God Himself is called in one place, jealous. Our God is a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. He purchased us at a price. We are the saints in the Lord's recovery. We have given ourselves to Him. We are in the churches. He cannot tolerate us to be lukewarm. He said, be boiling hot. Be boiling. He said to Laodicea. But this is not an emotional fire. I don't know what you're sensing. But while I'm talking to you, I'm quite aware that this fire is burning in my being. But I'm very calm in my emotion. I'm not stirred up. I'm not hyper, this or that. Didn't Paul say, fan into flame the gift of God? Isn't it a principle in Leviticus regarding the law of the burnt offering? The fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. We need this kind of living. The fire that will never go out. Rather, Lord, the older I get and the longer I'm here, the more intense I will love you. When I'm alone with you, I'll be beside myself. You are a flame and my spirit is a flame. Make me a burning bush. Just a thorn bush. But God Himself, the I Am, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the triune God, is burning in my being. I will not be lukewarm before You. I will not be tepid. I will not be indifferent. I will take this way with every fiber of my being, with every cell. I do not love this present age. I love your appearing. I love you. I love your word. I love your saints. I love your church. I love your ministry. I love fallen human beings. Even I love my enemies. This is a heart without thorns. Thorns cannot coexist with the fire. And the fire is in the word. And the fire is God himself. And now Christ's ministry is in the stage of intensification. There are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. That throne has so many intentions concerning us. Concerning every detail of our lives. Concerning whom we marry. What kind of job we have. Where we go to school. Where we live. How we manage our finances. How we have our family life. And those decisions on the throne are carried out by the seven lamps of burning fire. And the lamb with the seven eyes 
Those seven eyes are also a fire. Don't be afraid of the burning. This burning has preserved me to this hour. The Lord said, when He cleansed the temple, He's quoting Psalm 69, I believe, the zeal of your house has consumed me. This is a zeal. We're not here performing certain things so we can be regarded by the church in a certain way. We are to to touch the divine reality. To have a motive. This vitalizes us. This ignites your whole being. Then you're starting to burn. And you have a burning companion. You have no idea what you'll touch. I don't have the words to describe the power in prayer that I enjoy with my companions. So I mentioned in the first message in the crystallization study of Acts, drawing upon Brother Nee's ministry, when two or three come together under this vision of the power of Christ's resurrection and pray in harmony, they will shake the earth. That's not, not an exaggeration. You touch something the consuming fire, yet it never goes out. And Moses never got weary. He never got tired at 120. He never needed trifocal symbols of the triune God that I put on every day. He never needed them. He died at the word of the Lord. That fire kept him vital for the 40 years of his ministry. You young adults need to be as burning as some of us not young adults. Where does the energy come from? I can't match you for strength. I can't match you for stamina. But you can't match us for endurance, for perseverance, for absoluteness, for love, for consecration, for zeal, for vitality. Because God in His Word has consumed our whole being, sparing not one thorn. Now, this is the the intrinsic thing. Then along with this, I mentioned three other matters, and I think the time is about right for me to stop. The first is in Proverbs 4.23, which says, Keep your heart with all diligence. We have to keep it. One translation says, guard your heart above all that you guard. We have to be watchful. We have to be exercised. The spirit is the God contacting and God containing organ. The heart is the believing and loving organ. But in another sense, the heart functions as our representative. The heart is our acting agent. This is in the first Thessalonians life study. That's why our heart needs to be established. Because where our heart turns, that's where our being will turn. And young adults, when does young adulthood officially start? When does it officially end? I don't know. We don't have to know arithmetically. There are challenges. 
that your heart faces that are unique to your human situation. I don't care who plays in the Super Bowl. I don't care who got inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame this week. I don't care who wins the Super Bowl. I don't care what the Dow Jones average is. Even, I don't care in one sense what party is dominating the political scene. What I care about is that God's economy can be consummated in my lifetime. That the body of Christ can be built up. That the kingdom of God will be brought in. And that the spiritual warfare will be fought by this generation. And the Lord will come back. But I know um, I need to sign up for Medicare to have health insurance. And I know I got to get a supplement. And I know I got to get a prescription drug plan because my aging eyes, they need drops and my body needs this or that. I know my wife needs to be cherished by having me take her out to Sizzler every now and then. I got to change the oil in my car. I've got to use my sonic care to keep my teeth from falling out of my gums. I've got to go to the dentist. I've got grandchildren that I can't dote on them, but I need to be a godman grandpa with them. I'm a practical man. I know the practicality of human life. But tonight I can tell you, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not anxious about anything. The Lord knows how long I should live. The Lord is for my body just as my body is for the Lord. I know God's law of giving and I know if I give faithfully, I will always have what I need. It's a law. I have to be able to pay my mortgage. So many practical things. But they don't rule me. I have money that I need. I don't love it. I've been there and done that with debt. It'll never happen again. If I have anything to do with it. I won't overextend. I won't let my eyes be bigger than my bank account. I don't put my hope in money. I'm not waiting for gas to go down below a dollar a gallon. My hope is not in the stock market. My hope is not in the trillion dollar bailout. The rebate for everybody. My God is not in the White House. My God is on the throne in the heavens. Amen? Amen? And not only is He on the throne, He is burning as a fire within me, but I have this responsibility. Man, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Exercise your heart. Be jealous over your heart. What you love. What you enjoy. What you will trust in. Then the two other matters... Well, actually, only one other matter we've already touched on is Ephesians 3, 
16 and 17. And I really mean this. But I don't mean this as a ritual. I don't know how long I've been praying this. I wish I had started from the beginning. But I was in my 50s before I began to be faithful to pray this. Now it's part of my living. It's it's like breathing. Every day I pray the prayer. And Brother Lee has a portion in the book on how to administrate the church that if you really touch this prayer, you'll hardly have to pray anything else. And that's the prayer that the Father would strengthen us with power through His Spirit into our inner man so that Christ may make His home in our hearts through faith, that we may be rooted and grounded in love and filled unto all the fullness of God. This is an exercise that preserves your heart that makes your heart available to the burning, flowing, triune God. This is a very positive, living, center, focused prayer. Lord, today, strengthen me with power through Your Spirit into my inner man so that Christ may make His home in my heart Now the inner man is powerful. It will remove anything incompatible with the homemaking Christ. Lord, make your home in my heart. Fill me unto all the fullness of God. If you pray like this, your companion prays like this, you will touch the awesome reality of the body of Christ. That's the principle of the body. That's why the vital companions are so crucial and so powerful. But it can't be two dead, thorn-filled persons coming together hoping for miraculous revival. It needs to be two God-loving, Christ-seeking God-men whose hearts are being gradually inhabited by the indwelling Christ and whose being is set on fire, you come together, you touch the fire that is in God's being. Didn't the Lord say in Luke, I came to cast fire on the earth. This is the gospel preaching life. This is the vital serving life. Every person I touch, you touch the flame. You touch the burning God. You're an atheist. You say there is no God. Touch me. Touch the flame. You'll gradually change your mind. God is a burning fire. My spirit is a burning fire. There's no room in my heart for the thorns. Well, that's it. This is what the Lord put in my heart for you. And it's spoken in love for Him and for you and out of a jealous concern for your inner being that the Lord will have all the ground in your being and do something wonderful 
glorious through all the young adults in the Lord's recovery. May the Lord bless you and give you a heart full of Christ without any thorns. Amen. Amen. love within our hearts. Amen. Burn fiercely night and day. Amen. For all the dross of earthly love Amen. burned and burned away. Amen. Come now as we're praying, Lord. Amen. Burn in our being.
anxieties of this age. Amen. of riches. Amen. Love for other things. Amen. Make your home in our hearts. Amen. Amen, Lord. We thank you for this word tonight. Amen. Thank you for the light, Lord. Amen. Thank you for exposing us, Lord. Amen. Just confess that we are short, Lord. Amen. Oh, but we pray, Lord. Amen. Pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. Amen. In your spirit. Amen. In our inner man, Lord. Amen. That you would cast fire in us, Lord. Amen. Amen.
to you tonight by giving you the permission to shine deeper into our being. People are faithful speaking to all of us. People are burning even a little bit right now. Guard this word in our hearts. Continue to operate in all our days. Burning every day of our lives. We'd like to consecrate tonight individually and corporately that you would gain us completely, Lord. You will not let us go. Make us the consummating generation. Those who can actually bring you back. Build the body of Christ. Prepare the bride. Consummate this age. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on our generation. We mean business to you, Lord. choke it. Amen. Oh, don't agree with any choking. Lord, we like to Lord give you Jesus. a free way in our hearts. Amen. Consume everything that's not you. Lord, to burn with the zeal for your house. Amen. Fire of your recovery. Amen. Amen. This generation. Amen. Lord, for your move on this earth. Amen. Back, Lord. Lord. Yes. Lord, to bring you back, Amen. we again consecrate ourselves. Thank you for your speaking. Thank you for dealing with our heart. Lord, we do give you the full ground to burn away every thorn. Lord, burn and burn within us until we together become a burn offering to you. 
Lord, may you gain all the glory in the church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're so thankful that we're here tonight to hear such a speaking. Well, didn't your heart burn within you? Well, I truly, truly respond to this word. This is a word that is age-appropriate. It fits all of our age. doesn't matter what category we're in, but it surely it serves its purpose. God's economy has to come in this way, not just with our activities, but a full inward dispensing that something can get into the depth of our being, into our heart, until Christ can make his home in our heart. Oh, there's so many things that can co-inhabit our heart. Oh, those things, you know, doesn't matter how pretty they are, they are thorns. And they are dangerous. I personally testify, you know, in front of my house, there are two trees. Been there a long time, maybe two or three decades. And just this past Lord's Day, one tree fell down for no reason. We were so surprised. And then I, uh, I was looking at a tree. The tree was, you could say, it flipped over, yet there was no, not much of a root that was, that was around it. And it was the two trees, the tree, one tree that didn't fell did not have any vegetation around it. But the tree that fell has a lot of nice, pretty flower around, around it. My wife had been cultivating a lot of little things, little pretty flowers around it. So I don't know, this has been, must be going on for a couple years. But what happened? It, cho- it choked the, the roots, the root system. And I look into our backyard. Our olive tree has no leaves for a long time. The reason being is also there were a lot of vegetation right uh, around it. They're growing together. It's, they're choking all the nourishment. You know, it's not that like, we didn't water it, but somehow you just are too close to the root system of, of that tree. So all those nice little flowers, they choke the giant tree. That tree is 30 feet tall. When it fell, thank the Lord, they didn't damage anything, but it took us a, quite a while for us to chop into pieces, try to get... So if you need some firewood, we have plenty. (laughs) But I really am thankful that the Lord is using tonight's word to shine what is really in our heart. The anxiety of this age. Oh, the deceitfulness of riches. Oh, the the pursuit of a life of pleasure. All these things, Lord, save us. Rescue us. Lord, remember our consecration. Remember that we belong to you. The reason we're here is because we're here for your dispensing, for your economy, so that you can have an absolute burn offering, a corporate burn offering for yourself. So I'm so thankful that these were is ministered at this proper time. Oh, thank the Lord. So I'm pretty sure every one of us have a lot to say, have a lot to respond. But thank the Lord, uh, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. We need to consider 
the situation around us. We need to deal with this every day. We need to be in the Word. The fire in the Word can consume all the draws. We need to be dealt with by the Lord every day. The Lord be merciful to us. I'm so thankful that we're in the Lord's recovery. I know many of us grow up in the recovery. Maybe let me see a show of hands. How many of you actually grow up as a church kid? I would say almost half, right? So it shows that the Lord has not given hope on us. Rather, the Lord has a lot to do in His economy that requires our full cooperation. The church here is wonderful. It requires a lot of our participation, uh, of our giving ourselves to function in every way. So we want to, in this new year, we consecrate ourselves afresh. We uh, want the Lord to reignite the fire that's in us and keep that fire burning. Oh, praise the Lord. Until Christ make his home in all of our hearts. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Just a few practical announcements before we go. Um, we would like to follow up on the handout that we gave you all last week regarding companions. Um, we know some of you handed them in last week. If you did not hand it in last week, uh, we would like you to hand it in tonight. <clears throat> if you don't have one, uh, we have plenty of copies tonight. We would encourage you to, if the ushers are not, are you going to pass them out to all of them? Okay, maybe, maybe, um, okay, maybe the ushers, could you pass those out? And if you didn't get one, could you fill one out tonight or do your best to try to fill it out tonight? Last week, we encouraged everybody to consider uh, or, and to find a companion or two that you could pray with on a, on a weekly basis, two or three times a week. Uh, so if you can, if you handed it in last week, no need to hand it in again unless you change some information. Um, but if you didn't hand it in last week and you had some time to consider, uh, please hand it to the ushers before you leave tonight. Uh, also, uh, when you came in tonight and last week, there was a sign-in sheet to check your information, your contact information, particularly your email address and phone number. We would like you, if you haven't signed that or checked that, could you please do that tonight? We need to email you periodically some things, uh, and that's the best way to, that's the best way to reach you. Um, regarding emails, we will be sending you a link in the next week and a half or so um, for, uh, well, let me, let me back up a bit. In, in December, Brother Andrew had some fellowship with us during the, summer, uh, the winter training, and he said he would, he would like to see in this next year 1,000 companion groups formed throughout the recovery, or throughout in, just in this country, is that right? Yeah, in the U.S., he'd like to see 1,000 groups, companion groups formed. And so we would... We would like to see how many uh, we can get in the church in Anaheim. How many companion groups there we can we can have in the church in Anaheim? Okay, so we would uh, like everybody to consider this. Uh, there will be a a living to him groups link that will be set up uh, in the next week and a half or so, and we will email you that link so that you can enter your information, your companions' information, and then we can have an accurate count for Brother Andrew by the end of the year. Okay. Um, also, there's another sheet that the brother, a small sheet that the brothers are passing out. Uh, it looks similar to the companion one. It's a little bit different. 
Does it have your name and locality or district? And then uh, the brothers are, um, feel it would be good uh, for all of us to consider an area of the church life where, that we are burdened for. Um, the first groups are, well, bur- which group are you burdened to, to shepherd? And we have uh, six different items here that you can check. This is not all-inclusive. If there's something here that's not on the list, it doesn't mean you have to, you have to pick one of these. Um, but we feel that there are certain, there are certain needs in these, in these areas that we would like to impress upon you. Um, maybe you have a feeling for some of these. Maybe you have a feeling for one of these or more of these. That would be very good if you could just put a check next to one or, or more that you're burdened for. The children's work is a very important work. I don't know if anybody serves with the children. Um, my wife and I have been serving in District 3 with the children's meeting, sixth grade, for the last uh, year and a, two and a half years. And I don't know if you know this, Saints, but in sixth grade, that's when we preach the gospel to the young people. So we begin to bear fruit in sixth grade. So this is a critical time. And I know as a serving one, we could always use more serving ones or more who are burdened just to pray with your companions uh, for these young sixth graders. Uh, it's, a very, it's a big, big struggle these days. In, in District 3, we, we have a big struggle sometimes trying to get the message to the young people, get, get through to them about what the burden of the message is that week or the lesson is that week. Um, we have to fight for these young ones. Otherwise, they will be, they're, they're very, very easily distracted and caught up by other things. Another one is the young people. This is the junior high and high school. Just to give you an idea, there are 163 young people in the church in Anaheim. And there are approximately, I don't know how many servant ones, 10 to 15. So for, for us to bear the burden of 163 young people, I also serve young people, that's why I say us, would mean that we each have to take care of at least 10 young people each. Uh, and this is quite a large burden for us. And we're very, very burdened that some of you could pick up the burden to... Uh, we, don't, we don't want you and feel that you have to uh, jump into the, uh, the service full-time or you know drop everything you're doing and come every Saturday night. What we would really appreciate and what the young people would really appreciate and enjoy would be if some of you would pick up the burden to invite them over to your homes in the evenings for dinner. The young people love to eat. This would be a huge cherishing to the young people. It would open up their hearts to you in ways we, w- we may never know. Um, we, have, we have many young people that, who we know have been touched deeply by the saints opening their homes to them just for, just for a meal. You don't have to say anything to them. You may not even have anything you want to talk about. As long as you can, they come, you can open your house, you can feed them, they will be cherished. And this will preserve them down the line. We, we, you know, we, we have many, many stories of young people who have been preserved by just saints opening their homes. Not to preach the gospel to them, not to talk about what they're doing wrong or anything like this, but just to feed them, just to, just to cherish them humanly. This would be a big, big help for us. Regarding the college age, um, you can speak to the brothers in, in, in Cyprus more about this. I'm not too, too up-to-date on the, on the burden there, but like Brother Ben Sai and any of the other bro- brothers serving on the college campus would be more than happy to give you uh, an overview of that. Bibles for America recipients, follow-up, that is every Saturday morning 
again, you can talk to brother, you can talk to brother Luke Chang or brother Paul Dang about this. Their time has been very, very good. They need many more people to go out and contact these ones who have already expressed interest uh, to receive something. Uh, and then also Lord's Day afternoon, there's there's gospel contacts. Lord's Day afternoon, again, you can talk to either Brother Luke Chang or Paul Dang for more information. But the brothers go out, the community team goes out every Lord's Day afternoon to contact ones in Anaheim. Um, these are these are some very, very um, needy areas of service. And then there's also the last one is practical church service. Um, you know, this could be anything from Saturday morning cleaning to ushering Lord's Day morning. Um, you know, Brother Lee, in the normal way to be, of fruit bearing and shepherding for the building up of the church, he gave the example of ushering. He said, well, first he said, let me, let me just read you a little bit. He said, <clears throat> after we consecrate ourselves and deal thoroughly with the Lord, we can pick up a burden before him. There is no need to pray particularly for a burden. Whatever burden we pick up will be the Lord's burden. You know, so I was touched by this. We don't have to consider, we don't have to pray, Lord, what should I do? Just pick something and the Lord will, that will be the Lord's burden for you. Uh, don't spend too much time considering, otherwise we will never, never do anything. You know, I mean, I've, I've considered a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, I, I've done this in the past myself where I've thought, what should I do? What should I do? And I never did anything. And then the opportunity passed. So just rise up. Pick something, and the Lord will be with you in that burden. Amen. Uh, he goes on, we should not primarily care for business affairs. We may pick up a burden for ushering in the meetings, but the ushering itself is not our burden. Rather, our burden is to take care of people by ushering. Um, picking up a burden in this way will make a great difference. If we usher after having thoroughly dealt with the Lord. Whenever we usher, we will minister life, right? I really appreciate the brothers who, who usher in the saints into the meetings. They usher us right into, right into the Spirit, right? I know Brother Tom Dvorak is here in District 3, and anytime you see Brother Tom Dvorak before the meeting, he has something, a hallelujah or a praise the Lord, or he stops you and says, okay, let's say praise the Lord three times as you're going into the meeting. So, you know, he really ushers us into the flow. So we need more more saints to do this. We need some to pick up the burden to to usher the saints in or to, to, to do many other areas of practical service for the church. So, again, saints, this will be passed out. I don't know if you've received it already. Just consider before the Lord. Don't pray too much, but consider before the Lord. And then the Lord will, will be with you in your burden.